Hey listeners, my name is Elisha, the founder of the Witnesses Podcast. It's so beautiful to have you listening to our podcast. And I want you to know something that that means a whole lot to me. Thank you for tuning in. And one thing I love to tell all of our listeners is, it's not just about you listening, but listening to understand. Understanding is the most important thing. So important. So, you have to listen, learn, and practice. Thank you so very much and happy listening. Hi, Aaron. It's so nice to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. Thank you for having me on the show. And I'm just really excited to be talking to your audience and followers. And thank you for the opportunity. All right. That's so good. So, you know, oftentimes, Aaron, I love to talk about the essence of this show, which is to invite amazing guests. Riverside is having some bug issues. Okay, so amazing guests like Aaron to come talk to us about their triumphant stories because we believe that in our audience, there might be someone who is talked up in a situation that Aaron came out of triumphantly. So by that person listening to you speak, he or she might actually pick an information that will lead to their transformation. So within the next few minutes, Aaron, let us get started with your story. Talk to us about the challenges that you faced and how you overcame them. Then afterwards, I've got some questions. Sure. Well, thank you. Um, here's what I will say. I was born, <clears throat> I was born, um, and I did not know my father. Uh, my father was not um, part of my life ever. He was not part of my childhood. He was not part of my my life growing up. And even into adulthood, he was not part of my life. When I was a child, not having a dad, as, as many people know all over the world, leads to a lot of issues, leads to a lot of sadness and frustration, stress, depression. I was bullied pretty intensely as a kid. I started using drugs very early in my life. I was 12 years old. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I was sexually assaulted by my best friend. Uh, we were roommates, and I really thought that we had a solid friendship. Um, and it turned out to be a very uh, <clears throat> injurious experience, as, as people who have been sexually assaulted understand. It changes a lot of things in your life. It was after that moment that my drug use, which had prior been pretty casual and experimental. It took on a new life. I continued to use drugs daily and, and heavily for a long time. <clears throat> and uh, ultimately that led as taking drugs every single day leads to addictive and addiction behaviors. And so by the end, I was drinking constantly. I was smoking cannabis constantly. I was using a lot of LSD. I was not participating in my daughter's life to the extent that I could be and should be. I was not participating in my marriage. I could not keep a job. And uh, I hit rock bottom on May 21st, 1998. And that was a day of three miracles. 
And once those miracles had taken place and I understood, and I mean really understood, that I was loved, that I was lovable, that I was loving, um, and that what I was seeking in life was seeking me. From that moment on, uh, learning how to share love, learning how to be love, learning how to be a loving mentor and a loving man. Um, these, I started a martial arts school and the martial arts school continued to grow. I continued to get sober. The school continued to grow. I, I found a very special niche working with children who understood trauma because they were living it, understood abandonment, abuse, addiction, and having been assaulted. And I really specialized in working with those types of kids and teaching them martial arts. I started uh, sober coaching. My wife and I opened a sober home for teenagers. That turned into a residential treatment center where teens would come to live at our facility for four to seven months. And we became one of the top performing caretakers of children who were struggling with addiction, abuse, abandonment, and having been assaulted, mental health issues. And so I continue that work to this day. And I still teach martial arts, except now it's all over the world. Uh, I still work with families who are dealing with addiction and mental health. And my work continues. And I'm extremely blessed and very happy and have a wonderful marriage. And my children are grown. And uh, my podcast is doing well. My book's out. Like everything is going amazing. Wow. What a beautiful story. Very inspiring. Wow. Okay. Let us dive into the very first question, Aaron. Um, Why do teens make bad choices? You got it? That's a great, it's a, it's a great question. And the answer is they don't. Now, let me explain. They don't make bad choices. They make risky choices. But good and bad, when we start to understand why people do what they do, we become to, we understand that every, every choice we make, every single choice we make fills a need in our body. There, there are needs. There is safety, the need for safety. There's the need for power. There's the need for connection. There's the need for freedom. And there's the need for worth. Safety, power, connection, freedom, and worth. And no matter what someone is choosing to do, even if it's using drugs, even if it's going to commit suicide, even if it's going to cut on themselves, run away, uh, whatever a teenager is choosing to do, it is facilitating one of those needs. And if we think about it, the need for power, to feel like you have power over your life. Sometimes you will make a risky choice to prove that you have power over yourself, to feel like you're connected to people and not alone. Being lonely is deadly. That feeling can kill us. Because loneliness leads to sadness and sadness leads to hopelessness and hopelessness leads to suicide. So sometimes we compromise and make risky decisions by choosing to hang out with people who are not healthy for us. Safety, power, connection, freedom, and worth. Every choice I made growing up gave me one of those needs. 
Why did I start smoking pot? Because the neighbors down the street were older and they were cooler and I was lonely. And when I smoked pot, I could hang out with them and we would laugh and we would listen to music. And they introduced me to all kinds of new music. And I was connected to something. So was it, was it a bad choice? It was a risky choice. That strategy that gave me a feeling of belonging also ultimately made me feel like I was alone, right? Addicts have addict friends until such time you don't hang out with anybody. You just hang out with your drugs. So it's not that we make bad choices. We have risky strategies. And when we are looking and trying to parent our teenagers, or when we're looking and, and questioning ourselves in the mirror, if we can figure out why we made the risky choice, the work has begun. Because everything, everything we do in life facilitates safety or power or connection or freedom or worth. Why am I on this podcast? Because it connects you and I. It connects us to other people. I feel powerful being someone who has information that I can share. That makes me feel worthy. There, three needs. Just by being on your podcast, three needs have been met. So let's move away from bad choices. And let's start to realize that there are good choices. There are risky choices. Risky choices can lead to bad. Okay, the second question, it says, is cannabis dangerous for teens and is it even addictive? This is such a great question and I've had to answer and navigate this question a lot. Because the first answer that a lot of people give is, you know, it's not physically addictive, it's mentally addictive or that it's mentally addictive and not physically addictive. Here's the truth, and this is the science. This isn't me proposing an idea, and I don't know. Here's, here's what I do know. Cannabis was my drug of choice. Was I addicted to cannabis, or was I addicted to what it did for me? You see, drugs are the solution to a problem. So is cutting, so is running away, so is self-harm, but when I really sit down and look at the source of the problem, it's not drugs. Drugs is how I solved the problem. So let, me, let me explain it this way. When I was high, I was happy. And when I was sober, I was suicidal. So drugs fixed a problem for me. They created other ones. They created more problems. So I had to deal with those problems too, or I had to get high. But here's the brain science behind cannabis. The THC molecule copies a chemical in our brain called anandamide. Anandamide is a neuromodulator. It's a chemical that's released after we exercise really, really intensely. 
So we, we, we exercise, we exercise, we exercise. And then to calm our bodies down, our brain releases anandamide. Well, THC and anandamide are very close in chemical makeup. So when we have used cannabis, our brain goes, oh, I don't have to create anandamide. I'm already going to calm down because I have this chemical in my brain. So our body stops creating it. So if our body isn't creating it and we need it, we will crave it. And THC is a close copy. Does that make it addictive? I don't know, but I do know that I'm an addict. What I do know is that my brain chemistry has malfunctioned. What I do know is that my brain will always look for the shortcut. And smoking pot was much easier than exercising and then letting my brain chemistry make me feel good afterwards. Hmm. That can be an addictive experience. But is cannabis addictive like heroin? Is it addictive like meth or fentanyl? No. Is it addictive? Can you be an addict and be very, very, very attracted and interested to THC? You bet. You bet. So that's the answer. There's a yes in there and there's a no in there. It says, how can, okay. parent, yeah, how can parents break the video game dependency struggle? Yeah, this is a good question. Uh, I wrote a book about video game struggles and dependency issues. And this is another thing that people want to say video games are addictive. Video games are addictive. No, they're not. But, and there's an aspect of video games that does trigger the same types of things that cocaine and gambling and pornography and heavier drugs trigger in our brain. So the first thing parents need to do, and this is very, very important. The first thing parents need to do is stop treating the game like it's the enemy. This isn't about the video game. Remember what I said. There are no bad choices. There are risky choices. And if a child is choosing to play video games instead of going to school, instead of doing their chores, instead of participating with the family, well, that's risky. People are going to get angry. People, parents were going to yell and feel stressed. And so it is not video games in and of itself are an escape. Let me explain cannabis and video games and self-harm and things like this a different way. When I injure my foot, right? I can't walk on it. It hurts. My foot hurts. And so when my foot hurts, I go to the doctor. And the doctor doesn't immediately start to give me pills. What the doctor does is take an x-ray. And they look inside the foot. And they figure out if it's broken. And if it's broken, they put it in a cast and they give me crutches. And I use the crutches to move around until such time they need to take away the crutch 
And I need to start practice walking on my foot so it can heal. And then I get therapy to help my foot heal correctly. This is no different than our emotions. If my emotions hurt and I go to a doctor, they should not give me pills first. They should look inside of my heart, of my belly, of my brain, and make sure that my brain is working right, to make sure my heart works right. Don't just give me pills because pills are a crutch. They make me feel good. The crutches make me able to move around. I feel better on crutches. Cannabis is a crutch. Video games are a crutch. We should use these things. We really should. I'm in a full support of voting for cannabis and the legalization and decriminalization and recreational use of cannabis all over. Same with video games. But we have to remember it is a crutch if we are putting something in our bodies to help us feel better because we don't feel good without it. Then it's a problem. But we can't live on crutches. So what parents need to do is recognize that the video game, they're fun. They solve problems in those games. They have friends that they share with and connect in, with. And they, and they have power in these games. And as their characters get more powerful, these, these kids, these people who play video games, they feel worthy. Safety, power, connection, freedom, and worth. Video games facilitate human needs, basic human needs. So taking it away can cause more problems. Understanding that the kids are playing it because they don't feel good in other places, that it's easier to feel good when you smoke pot. It's easier to feel good when you play video games. It's easier to feel good when you cut yourself. Life is hard. Life isn't always fun. But if every time life gets hard, I start using crutches, I will never heal. That's the first thing parents should do is make sure that the child is playing video games in a healthy manner. Because if they're not, if they're trading friendships, if they're trading sleep, if they're trading food, if they're trading taking a shower, if they're trading cleaning their room for video games, the crutch is becoming a problem. And it's time to address the problem. Don't make it about the crutches. Video games are not bad. How we use video games, that's risky. insight on these stuff are so incredible here oh man thank you. thank you wow okay so the last question all right very important very important it says what can parents do to take back their homes and help their teens when parents are struggling with their teenagers the first thing that a parent must do is look at their own life and their own behaviors and their own crutches you don't take back your home by yelling at your teenager to give it back. If your teenager is acting in such a way that your teenager has control of the home, you can't 
make them give it back to you. You have to take it back by truly learning and understanding how it is you lost control of the home. When parents do their own personal work first, they show their teenagers how to work on themselves first. But if a parent makes their most important work, their teenager's work, if a teenager is failing school and that becomes the parent's most important job, then what we teach the teenager is your own health is not important. Someone else's is more. I know this sounds like love to say, protect your kids. But if you don't protect yourself, you can't protect your kids. True. If you don't take care of yourself, how can you take care of your kids? Through martial arts, uh, my whole life, I have learned that to teach my children martial arts, I have two choices. I can show them what to do by telling them what to do, or I can show them what to do by doing it. And if I'm going to show my children how to be successful, I better show them by be being successful. If I'm going to show them how to be kind, then I need to be kind. If I'm going to show them how to be sober, then I need to get sober. We have adults in this world, full-grown adults, all over social media and Facebook, all over TikTok, all over everybody, arguing and calling each other names because you don't like who, you who the other person voted for president. If adults are going to act like bullies, if adults are going to act like assholes, then I would expect the teenager to as well. So the first thing to take back your home is to take back your own life. If you can't sleep, if you can't eat, if you're not drinking enough water, if you're not exercising your body, and if you're not taking a moment to just breathe on purpose, then stop expecting your kid to be the adult in the house. If a child is acting like a five-year-old, someone has to act like a six-year-old, and it should be the adult's. If the child's going to act like a teenager, then the adult has to act like an adult. If the child isn't taking care of themselves, show them what self-care looks like by taking care of yourself first. Hmm. That's how we teach our children. And I, and I say this to everybody I've ever met, every parent I've ever worked with. Tell me one lesson in life. Tell me one giant change about your life. Tell me one thing you did differently because your parents yelled at you. Tell me one thing you changed because mom or dad yelled at you and lectured you. And so you go, whoa, they're right. I'm going to change. That's not how people change. They change because they see you change first. So parents, if you want your kids to change, show them how. If you want your kids to give you the home back, you take it back by making sure you're sleeping enough, eating healthy food, drinking enough water, moving your body, and breathing on purpose. Show them how. Because your child learned how to struggle from the same person they're going to learn how to succeed. That's how children learn. So start in the mirror. Don't start by pointing fingers at your child.
my goodness. You're such a knowledgeable man. I've got to say that again and again. <laughs> okay. Um, to round up with, um, let's say there is someone who would like to get to know more about what you do, who would like to reach out to you. How can that be possible? And let's say there is just one piece of advice you would like to give out to all parents and even teenager. What would that be? It's very simple. It's very simple. Take care of yourselves first. Take care of your mature relationships second. And then take care of other people third. That's how you do your best work with other people. Help yourself first. Get a group of friends, a support group that really support you, not frenemies. And I'm talking to teenagers right now, not frenemies. Friends, real friends. Friends who call you out on your bullshit. Friends who, they live a good life. They're not helping you destroy yourself and they're not destroying themselves. They're really doing the right thing and they do the right thing by you. Then you try to help other people. We were all taught that love means help others first. Love means help yourself first. Take care of yourself first. That's the best piece of advice. We are never going to be successful accidentally. It will always be on purpose. And I don't care if you think that means successful in school, successful in business, successful in parenting, successful in anything. You will never be successful accidentally. It will be on purpose or it won't happen. That's it. That's the rule. In 54 years, I'm, I'm very successful in business. I travel all over the world. I own lots of real estate. I am happily married. My children are doing well. I have a wonderful business partner. I have an incredible life. I have a camper van that I live for months and months at a time and I do the van life. I fly everywhere business class. I have a wonderful life, but it's on purpose. It's not on accident. Success doesn't show up at your door and invite itself in. You got to go get it. You got to find it. And when you find it, you got to hustle your ass off to keep it. And that includes parenting. You're going to parent on purpose or you're not going to parent well at all. Okay, so Aaron, how can they reach out to you or get to know about you more? So I have a website, parentingteensthatstruggle.com, parentingteensthatstruggle.com. And you can find everything I do there. My parenting masterclass, my new book, my video games book. Uh, you, can, you can sign up for coaching. You can go to my free Facebook page, Parenting Teens That Struggle. But everything, my blogs, my podcast, Beyond Risk and Back, it's all there on parentingteensthatstruggle.com. You can find free support. Um, you can find my classes. You can find my books, everything right there. And if you're a parent or if you're a teenager and you're struggling, go to parentingteensthatstruggle.com, reach out to me. I will answer. Not my secretary, me. I'll connect with you.
that's gonna be the end of the show here and thank you for your time thank you for blessing us with such an amazing insight oh man you know i learned series of things from the words you've spoken so far thank you so very much and god bless you god bless you thank god you so you. much for the opportunity thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode your support means the world to us and we truly value you we look forward to having you join us for the next episode if you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated.